The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Father, we want them to hear what you have to say. So remove us from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through our lips. God, if there's anything that comes from us, no matter how funny or witty or how true sounding it is, we pray that it's quickly forgotten. What we want instead is for every person to remember everything that rings with your truth and drips with your grace so that our hearts can be transformed, so we can be set on mission so that others might know the love of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 We've been uh, talking over the last few months about the different questions that we ask to see if we're on the right track when it comes to being disciple makers. And uh, last week we kind of gave you a hint of what's coming. The last three questions we have been asking ourselves are about how God can fill us. So the first one is, am I fervently pursuing my faith? And so we talked about prayer, we talked about studying the word, we talked about fasting, we talked about those things that draw us close to him. And then after that we asked, am I invested completely in the mission? Have I understood that my job is to be engaged, my job is to learn how to give and to grow and to share the faith uh, and what that looks like in order for me to be invested completely in the mission that God has given every single one of us the minute that we say yes to Jesus. And then the third question we just finished last week is, am I learning how God uniquely shaped me? And we talked about how our identity comes from Christ, um, but that means that he has, he has still allowed us to be individuals. So he gives us different gifts and he gives us different passions, but our first passion should be Christ. And if we keep those things in mind, we will be filled and ready to go. And so the second set of questions, the last three, start this way. Uh, am I loving the person in front of me? Am I expecting God to move in real life? And am I discipling someone? Today we start the new series about love. And we called it The Reason. And so we're going to talk today about the reason why we love. Then we're going to talk next week about who we love. And then the last week we'll talk about how we love. And so in order to get the full effect of all of this, we need to hear every week. We need to putting all those things together and hearing them and understanding where they get you. But isn't it true that we, we should probably stop and make sure that we are thinking of the same thing when we say the word love? Would you agree? So then let's talk about what love is. And when we look in the Bible and we look in Scripture, there are so many times when in the English it says love. And it can mean something entirely different. And we do the same thing, right? I love pizza, and I love my wife. I should probably not love them on the same level, right? 
Those two words, even though it's the same word, it should mean two different things, right? And so when we look into the original language of the Bible, there were actually kind of four and a half different versions of the word love. And so I thought about how I can show you that. And we got these little cups here for you so that you can understand what the Bible teaches about love. Okay? So the very first kind of love that it talks about is called, it's, the word is storge, but it's, fa it's family love. It's love that's based on blood. Okay? Have you ever said something like, well, I know he's an idiot, but he's my brother. I have to love him. <laughs> or, I know that my dad has made some mistakes, but I love him. He's my dad. That, those kinds of things, that's storge. That's that blood love that says, I don't care what a person does because they're related to me. I'm going to love them anyway. Okay? It's one kind of love. Second kind of love is called eros. Eros is where we, uh, uh, is where we understand romantic love. And so this is when we feel strong feelings for someone and we want to be intimate with them. And it is probably the most fleeting it's the least lasting love. It has to be propped up by other loves in order for it to actually work really well. But there, everybody understands what romantic love is, right? Okay. Then the next one for the Greeks was called philos. And philos was brotherly love, brotherly affection. What it meant was is that I love this person so much that they might as well be family. I'm choosing them to be family. Have you ever had someone you said, this is not my sister, but she's my sister? It's not my brother, but he's my brother, okay? That's philos, and that is one of the highest forms of human love that it exists. There is one other that I, 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 I thought about, I thought this is important for me to share because it's going to come up later, and that is a kind of a mashing of two of them. So if you take storge love and you take philos, you get philos, philos storge. And what that means is, it, I have a duty to love that person, but because of our similar beliefs and our similar understanding of how life goes, we are becoming as close as brothers and sisters. It's the word that Paul often uses that we translate as uh, to be devoted to one another. Okay, So in Romans 12, when Paul says be devoted to one another, what he says is have philostorge for one another. And they kind of go together, right? So here's the issue. Those are the, the four human kinds of love. But there is a greater love than all of that, and that in the Greek is called agape. And agape is divine love. It's love that God has that doesn't make any sense. You can call it unnatural if you want to, but I prefer to call it supernatural. Okay, It's not something we can do all by ourselves. He has to help us to do it. It's an unconditional love. It's the kind of love that would cause God to send his son to die in our stead. Okay, and that's agape love. Now here's the issue with the world today. Most of us are trying to make the foundation love eros. And we're saying, man, we've got to have that romantic experience. God is love, so I want to have my love story. And so we make eros the most important love. Okay? And the truth is that eros really doesn't affect uh, storge very much. I can have my love story and still love my family because I have to, right? But the problem is I can't put any of the loves into that. And if I try to stack all the loves on top of romantic love, after a while it just I just start losing 
the ability to make it happen. And what I end up doing is I start sacrificing other loves so that I can have that love. And love, then, romantic love, C.S. Lewis says it this way, romantic love, then, being the thing we worship, having become a god, becomes a demon. <laughs> and it starts to ruin our lives and run our lives in ways that we can't even imagine. But if we make agape love the most important love, and we then allow God to start moving in our lives and helping us to put all of our loves inside of what it means to have agape love, then they all fit and they are all in their proper place. So when the Bible really talks about love, most of the time when it's related to God or when it's related to how we should love each other, the word that is used is agape because it's the foundational love for everything else. So, if I want to have a love story, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? But that love story should happen inside of godly love. And that's why it is so important to God that if you decide to marry, that you stay married. It's why it's so important to God that you have a kind of love that He sanctions, because He knows better than we do how human beings work. And so the more that we let agape love run our lives, the easier it will be for us to make right decisions about romantic love and family love and brotherly love that kind of love is the kind of love that jesus uses when he says the greatest commandment is to love god and love your neighbor as you love yourself all three of those is that godly unconditional love not any of those others that are that are humanly possible but not as deep a love as what god can give and that's what love we're talking about. So, I want you to really think about it, okay? I want you to really think about it. Am I loving the one in front of me is the question that we are on right now. But here's our consider question. We're going to take 10 or 15 seconds to consider this question. What is the real difference between godly love and worldly love? All right, we are going to be in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, and it is toward the end of the New Testament. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles underneath your tables that you can use, or you can pull up the Bible on your YouVersion app for free. Um, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. Everyone believes that love is important, but most people believe that love is a feeling, but in reality, Love really is a choice. It's a choice and it's an action. And like Michael said, we're going to talk today about the difference between agape love, which is God's love, and worldly love. If you're in 1 John chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 7, say amen. One of the things that, that came to my mind and, and as we were talking about this and studying this is that the world thinks that love is whatever makes us feel good, and therefore we can do whatever we want with it, right? But that is the opposite of real love. That's actually selfishness. That is not putting other people before us. That's putting in what can I get out of it? What, how can I feel good? What am I gonna get from this? That's how the world looks at love. 
But if you truly know God, then you understand that true love is sacrificial love. It's genuine love. Love is, is evident in how we treat each other. And that's how we know. It's a genuine love. It's not a fake love. It's a real love. And it's not a fleeting love either. A lot of times uh, when we love something, we, we say we love it. Have you ever, ever had anyone say to you or heard anyone say, I love you, but I'm not in love with you? You ever heard that phrase? I love you, but I'm not in love with you. What they're saying is, I can choose to care about you, but I don't have the feelings about you anymore. And those feelings that, that feel like love are the ones that pass most quickly. So most marriages start with eros, but it's a fleeting love, isn't it? So it ends in philos. You actually get to the place where you're partners with each other, and you're still occasionally, eros still comes as a part of it, but philos lasts longer. Well, agape lasts the longest. Well, and I think it's really important that we wanted to start with this space because in the English language, the word love is used in so many ways. That's right. It's one word, but it, but it doesn't do justice for how the Bible describes what love is. And just like a lot of words in, in the text, we have to look at the Greek and the Hebrew to fully understand what the author is trying to tell us. Because in our English language, we've taken all of these and put it all under the umbrella of love. But they, don't, they all are different things, and they all represent different things. Someone once asked, what is love? But then they gave the following answer. It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbors hurt. It is deafness when a scandal flows. It is thoughtfulness for others' woes. It is promptness when stern duty calls. It is courage when misfortune falls. So if you're in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7, 13, say amen. Ah, that's better. <laughs> All right, let's start with verse 7. Dear friends, or in some translations it says beloved, yes. and I love that he says that word, beloved. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For what? God is love. It doesn't say love is God, right? It says God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We all know that passage, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Love was birthed inside of our hearts, within our hearts. He starts again in verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. There's that heart again, right? It's birthed in us. It's in our hearts. He lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And some translations say perfected. Perfected in us. Yeah, it's really good. And so, so what he's trying to tell us, look, John, 
I'll be honest with you, we could probably have started earlier in 1 John and gone later. Remember, John is the one who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so when he says that, he doesn't mean, look how important I am. He loved me. Because he's talking about agape love when he says that. And what he's saying is, despite everything I've done, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved anyway, is, is kind of the idea behind that. Um, and so I know I often feel the same way, but this could really just, you could spend a lot of time in 1 John and not learn everything you can learn about love from this because what we're learning is that godly love is better than worldly love. It's better to agape someone than it is any of the other loves that are out there. And so we want to kind of walk through that um, because what John does right here is he helps us to understand why it's so important for us to love people. Why do we need to love people that way? Can't you just save us, God, and let us decide on our own how we feel about people? And God says, well, it's not about your feelings anyway. What it's really about is what I'm asking you to choose to do even when you don't feel like it. And so we're going to kind of walk back through this passage and, and talk about each one of those things. So in verse 7, if you look back at verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So one of the reasons that God asks us to love is because love is from God and it proves that we know him. If we love people and we love God the way he is asking us to love them, everyone will say, man, that person really understands. That person really knows. Okay? So we, we want everyone to have this opportunity to, to go out into the world and to show who God is. But if we want to show who God is, we can't be godly and loving in here and then go out there and treat people like they're less than we are. We also need to recognize that if love is from God, that means when I have times that I can't make the decision to love someone because they have ticked me off or they have done something wrong or they have disrespected me and I'm fixing to do something about it, right? We remember that love is from God and then he put his spirit inside of us and we have the opportunity then to love them anyway. And that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus could say, you've heard it said to love your friends. I tell you to love your enemies. That's impossible to do that, isn't it? Yes, it is with human love because there's no reason to feel good about them, is there? But if it's not a feeling, if it's a choice and it's from God and we prove that we know him by loving our enemies, then all of a sudden it becomes possible. Yeah, tough love is good. That's right. But sometimes in the for, in the name of tough love, what we're really doing is just giving our opinion. Oh, there's a fine line. There's a fine line, isn't there? That's right. Well, look at what he says in seven. He says, "Let us continue." Yes. He doesn't say, "Let us start loving each other." Let us start and then stop. It says, "Continue." Continue means to continue. That doesn't mean. Okay, Jenna really made me angry. And I am not happy with her right now. Okay. But that doesn't mean I stop loving her. She is still my sister in Christ. Right. And we may not agree all the time on things, and we may have a little tiff. Okay. We'll come back together like God tells us to, and we'll work it out. But I will still love her. She is still my sister. 
in Christ, in God. That is the love we are going to continue to talk about. If you look down in verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. It's impossible for you to love God. And for if we don't love the people we can see, how can we love a God we cannot see? And we have to keep that in mind. Go on to the next verse. It's, okay, verses 8 and 9. But anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So one of the reasons we love is because God is love. And if we want to be good represent, uh, representatives of him, then we have to love people. We have to love people. But to love people means to choose to do the thing that is in their best interest. So Mike mentioned tough love. Sometimes what's in their best interest is no. Have you ever prayed for something and God said no? Yeah. Ever been mad at God because he didn't answer your prayer? I will tell you, I've, been, I've lived long enough inside this faith to know that when I ask God for something and he says no, it's not because he hates me. It's because he loves me. And most of the time what he's saying no to me is not what's it's good, but it's not what's best. It's what I think I need, but it's not what I really need. And I have to be able to let him make that decision. Well, when we love others, we have to recognize that sometimes we see their situation more clearly than they do because they're right in the middle of it. And we have to be able to say to them, I love you too much to say yes to that. And that is just as loving as it would be to give them what they need, actually more so, right? Mm -hmm. So because God is love, we operate inside of that. And God, it says God showed us how much he loves us by sending his one and only son so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, we did, he didn't have to do that, but he did because he loved us. And Paul says in another place, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ was sent for us. And that kind of love means that even though we have to have tough love sometimes, there's some times when we have to sacrifice what would, might be best for us in the moment for the person that we're trying to show love. That can be just as simple as I'm coming out of a store and I see somebody who's got a couple of bags and they can't get the door open. And I know I'm really late. I got to get to someplace quick, but I'm going to sacrifice that opportunity to get there on time to go back and open that door for that person so they can get through the door. It can be that simple. But it could also be, I know this person is trying as hard as they can, and they need uh, an extra 30 bucks. And it, would, it wouldn't be easy for me to give them 30 bucks, but if I give them this, I know it's going to help them get to the next place, and I'm going to go ahead and give that to them and let, them and let them do what it is that they're trying to get done. It can be that as well. Loving people means making the decision that's going to help them in the best way that we can help them. Sometimes that means yes. And sometimes that means no. So we love God, or we love because God first loved us. And it says so in verse 9, right? He says he's sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so God can't exist inside sin. He cannot be near it. He cannot be around it. He can't be in its presence. He, he just can't. 
And so because of that, he cannot overlook the sin like it's never, ever happened. But he loves us, but that does not mean he, he overlooks that. He can't just allow us to do whatever we want that's immoral, right? And so Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So when we, when we love one another, the invisible God reveals himself to others through us, right? So one of the things I want to talk about is if no one's ever seen God, how can we, how can we ever know him? Because if it goes on down in, into verse 12 and it says, no one has ever seen God, because it goes on from 11, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So the Bible tells us no one has ever seen the Lord. Moses seen him. His backside. But his backside, <laughs> right? He couldn't even look at the face of God or he would have been killed. And so one has, no one has ever seen the face of God. So, you know, in the Gospel of John, he says, the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He's revealed God to us, and Jesus is the complete expression of God in human form. So he loved us so much. That is why we love other people. Yeah, okay. I actually want to speak to what, a little bit of what you said earlier, too. The actual word in some of the versions is that that Jesus was a propitiation for our sins. That's a big $50 word, right? But a propitiation means that someone had a right to be angry with us. And someone else came along and, and took that anger for us. That allowed, took the penalty for that anger for us. When I had just started driving, my uh, little sister decided because she had been with me while I was driving that she also knew how to drive. And so she got in the car whenever I was not with her, and she got in, she tried to drive around for a little bit, and when she came back, she tried to park it, and she accidentally hit the gas instead of the brake and ran right through two fences. And I had no idea, I was at a basketball game at the time, and, and uh, I came home to police cars, and my dad was upset, my mom was upset, and I, I realized that something had happened there with my sister. I finally found the story out, and what I did was I jumped in and said, hey, I'm the one that took her out when, when I was driving. It's my fault. I, I, I'm, I, I'm the one to blame. And then they got mad at me instead of her. I was a propitiation for her. I, I stepped in the middle and said, you know what, I know that you're angry with her, but take it. let me take the wrath. Okay, When Jesus died on the cross, the intention of that was God had every right to be angry with you and the things that you have done to hurt yourself and to hurt others. What we call, what is sin called here? Missing the mark, right? God decided how we should treat him and how we should treat others. And we miss that mark all of the time. And God has a right to be angry with us for that and to expect justice for having done that. And Jesus says, I know that I know that they did something wrong, but I'm going to step in between the two of you right now and I, be angry with me. Let me take on the anger for you. And that's what this is talking about, is that God loved us so much that he gave his son and let his son take the anger that he would have had for us. And that's love many of us are unwilling to give. But if I love someone enough, even though that's true, I'll step in anyway. And God is saying... Love people like that anyway, that you're willing to take that on. 
if we understand what it means to love the way that God loves, we can change the whole world, starting right here in Ardmore. So as children of God, we are expected to love uh, one another. You know, I've met some who claim Christ as their Savior who apparently didn't get the memo, right? John doesn't say love when we feel like it or when we think it is deserved. He doesn't say love those who, we, who agree with our position always. Ooh, that's a tough one. Especially in the environment we're in right now, where if we disagree on something, it can get pretty heated pretty quick, right? And the world is telling us it's not okay to agree to disagree. But that's not, even if we, even if we disagree on something, like I said earlier, and using Jenna as an example, we still love those who, who don't always necessarily disagree with us. He doesn't ask us to love only those within our circle of influence, right? It's easy for us to come to church and go to church day in and day out, you know, or go to church every Sunday and just hang around with our other believers. But God is asking us to love everyone, not just the people that we go to church with or the people we go to Bible study with, or the people who we're in shield group with. He's asking us to love everyone. When God says everyone, he means everyone. This applies to our love for all people. But he also says especially for those within the body of Christ, those of us who are already believers. Jesus revealed this with the second great commandment. Love your neighbor, love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and we need to show love to one another. Yeah, I... That, and that, that's the great thing is we get to start there. If we love, if we start with loving God and then we practice loving those of us in the church, it makes it easier when we go out to love the people out there. This is, this is a practice ground. This is a place for us to come and figure out what, is this, what does it mean to love like this? How can we love each other like this? And if we are good at it here, it does two things. It makes us better at doing it out there. That's the first thing. The second thing is it becomes attractive to the people out there. They want to come in and be a part of a community that loves like that. You mean they disagree sometimes and they still can get along? You mean that they mean that they're willing to forgive each other? It would be impossible to talk about love without talking about forgiveness, wouldn't it? And that's the beautiful thing about God. Because Jesus took that anger for us, God then says that the penalty is paid. But we are offered forgiveness for whatever we have done. We no longer are owe anything for that. And if we can learn how to forgive each other here and not hold offenses and not hold grudges and start to, to love each other, that doesn't mean you... I understand sometimes if somebody has lied to you six or seven times, you don't have to take their word for it on the eighth time. But that doesn't mean you don't stop that, that you can stop loving them in the process. And loving them means helping them to fix that integrity issue that they have. How can you be a part of fi helping them fix that? How can you be a part of rehabilitating them? Reconciling your brother is one of the things that we're asked to do in Scripture. And so that gives us uh, that gives us a, an insight into how God sees love and what He expects from us when we love each other here. But if we do it in here, first of all, people are going to be interested to find out what's happening inside of here. And second of all, when we go out there and we start loving them that way, they won't know what to do with themselves. They won't understand that kind of love because out there, that, that, that's not how people love. What have you done for me lately? Is typically the question that's being asked out there when it comes to loving people. Well, I used to love them, but what have they done for me lately? And we, if we model a different kind of love in here and out there, 
then we start showing God to the world. And that's another reason that we love. We love to show God to the world. Well, and I, it's like, okay, that's great. A lot of people, and maybe those that are listening on the radio and the podcast too, you're thinking, okay, that's great, Pastor Carrie and Pastor Michael. Love, love, love. Hearts of flowers, rainbows, and unicorns. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just right. not going to happen. You, I mean, let's, let's be real. When you get a church of people together, a group of people together in a building, what's going to happen? We're not always going to get along. You guys are quiet. Y'all are really quiet today. It must be hot. <laughs> you guys are all too hot today. No matter where you go, there's in the churches, yep. everything's emergency. That's yeah. right. Everybody's divided. And, and I, the enemy really is using, thank you, Michael, the enemy is using that division. He's using division in a big way right now. He wants it to, us to divi be divided politically. He wants us to be divided in our families. He wants us to be divided inside our own churches. And when I say churches, I mean the small C, but also the big C. That's right. He wants to divide us so that we don't show his agape love. But here's the thing. It comes back to this at the beginning. When we think of love and we're talking about, oh, love this way, love each other, and get along, and all this stuff, right? Most of us are still thinking of this one. Yep. Why? Because this is what we've been taught. This is what we see, this is what we hear, this is what we watch on TV and on movies. We're told that love is a feeling. That the highest love is a feeling, yes. I don't agree with you, Michael, and I don't really like you right now, so therefore. Nobody can love because nobody can trust. Right, that breaks down the trust, and That's then what true. happens? I am, I am basing my love on this love right here. I am not basing my love for you on agape love, which is we may not agree all the time. We may disagree on some things, but because you are my brother in Christ and because Jenna is my sister in Christ, I'm showing agape love, unconditional love. We can agree to disagree, but I'm still gonna love you, okay? Now, I may not trust you right away. I don't know you. I've just met you, okay? That's okay. But when you come, but when you but when you come in here, I'm gonna do my best to show you God's love. Now I'm never gonna I'm never gonna hit this mark, am I? Am I am I a goddess? No. Not anywhere close, ask Michael or any of my friends. I am not God. I am not a god, I am not a goddess. Okay, I don't have the ability to do divine love. I can, I can strive for it, and I'm going to do everything I can. But here's the thing. If you go down to verse uh, 13. I'm going to say, in a way you can, though, because you say. believe in Jesus. That's yeah. what I'm getting to. Yes, ma'am. So when you go down to ver verse 13, what's it say? And God has given us his spirit. Notice he put it in a completely different paragraph, didn't he? He didn't put it in the previous paragraph. He put it in the next paragraph. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. He is in there. His spirit lives within me. So if we get into an argument, we may not talk for a little bit because we need to, we need to cool off, right? We need to take these emotions and... Set them down for a minute, right? 
I have God inside of me. He lives in me. His Holy Spirit lives in me. And that is who's going to give me the power to love you anyways. You know, there's going to be people that I'm going to run into that we're not always going to agree. We're not always going to get along. However, if they need help or if they need God's love in that moment to be shown to them, what's it say in the scripture right here? His love is brought to full expression in us. In other words, we're able to love other people because he's inside. his spirit is living in me. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, so what that means is the, the Holy Spirit living inside of you gives you the supernatural ability to love supernaturally. She's right. We're all going to struggle with that, especially if we're just brand new in our walk with God. But the thing is that he is constantly, he's letting us know, you already have the power. You aren't used to using it yet. So there's going to be times when you fail. I'm going to forgive you for that anyway. And I'm going to give you opportunities to learn again and again and again. And so he gives us those opportunities by putting people into our lives and giving us the chance to make the choice over and over again to love them anyway. Romans 8, 16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's right. And because of that, we know how, how dearly he loves us. And because he's given us that Holy Spirit and that spirit to join with ours, he fills our hearts with love. That's what we're called to do. Okay. I want to give you guys an illustration. Are we ready for the illustration? Yeah, it's good. Okay. I want to, if you get nothing else from today other than what we've taught you about the different types of love, this is the other thing. Love is horizontal and vertical. It's not one way or another. So think of it this way. If we were to peek behind the drywall in this room right now and notice that all of the vertical studs had been removed and there were only horizontal beams, what would we do, Steve? Run. We would we run. Would run, that's right. That's right, we would run, right? And likewise, if the building only had vertical studs and no horizontal beams, we would feel unsafe knowing that the building was not stable and we would run for the hills. Ephesians 3.18 says God's love is limitless in every direction. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is for you. In Ephesians 3.18, God's love is not one-dimensional. He instructs us and shows us to love one another, even as he has loved us because our love for him and others originates from him. It's not from us. It's not what our mama and daddy taught us. It's not what our boyfriends and girlfriends taught us or what TV taught us, right? It's from him and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Jesus' death reveals to us to be liars when we say things like, I love God with all my heart, but I just can't get along with him or her. Or, I get along with everyone, but I just don't have any time for God. We fool ourselves when we say we love him, vertical strands of faith, but do not love others, which is horizontal strands of faith. Or when we say we have love and care for our fellow man, but show no love or care for the God who created us all. Like a poorly constructed building, our love and relationships are flimsy at best and dangerous at worst. And when they are not rooted and grounded in the multidimensional love of God, 
multi-dimensional, right? More than one layer. What an opportunity to grow in our love for one another as we pursue a deeper relationship of love for God. So the more we love him, the more we rely on his spirit, the more we can love other people. So we should be an example of God's love. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled To be empty